God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. And let me tell you something. If you you need proof of the fact that, that our God is mighty, look no further than the fact that he was able to save you. Now, now, there are some of y'all in here that's like, shoot, I should be on the team. I brought a lot to the team. He should have saved me. But then there's another group of us in here that know we don't deserve God's grace, but he saved us. The old saints would say he saved us from the muck and mire. Look at somebody and just say, he saved me. He's mighty. Come on, I need somebody that really know you got some issues. He saved me. He's mighty. how they do it? Period. <laughs> he saved me. He is mighty. Period. But what a good and faithful God that we serve, one that loves us and one that has been completely gracious to us. Psalm 48 says, great is the Lord and he is greatly to be praised in the city of our God. That's why we're here, y'all, because our God is great and our God is, is good and our God is merciful and our God is kind. Here we are the first, not first Sunday, but the first service in a new year. And you're still here. Like God has been faithful. God has been God has been so good. And I I really want to take advantage of every, what's up? Every uh, opportunity that we get, every opportunity that we get to worship and serve God, I want to make sure that we take advantage of that. Is that anybody else's disposition? Like every chance I get, I want to give God praise. That's why we're here. And that's why we've gathered in this room. We've been off for the last few Sundays. We did have um, a, a Saturday service, but we've been off the last two Sundays for Christmas and for New Year's Day, uh, but we back like we never left. Look at look at somebody and just say, "We back, baby." Now y'all ain't say it right. You have like, "We back, baby." We 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 back, man. We back up in the house of God, the church, the pillar ground and truth. And God has allowed us another chance to worship Him corporately, and He's allowed us another year to fix what we messed up. He allowed us another day to 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 make make right the things that we did wrong. He's allowed you another, another chance. And I, I refuse to squander the opportunities that God gave me. I don't know if y'all are waiting for a certain moment to say amen, but he's allowed you another opportunity to fix those issues that we messed up. What a merciful and a, and a kind and a gracious God that we serve. Uh, I'm excited to preach that. That's why I'm up here. So do me a favor, grab your Bibles or your devices. Those of you who are home, turn this camera on for me. Those of you who are home, grab something, pause for a second. If you're on the train, if you're, if you're in the car, pull over if you're in the car. But, but I really want everybody to dial in just for a second so we can, we can on, honestly do uh, what we are here to do. That's worship Jesus through the preaching of the word of God. Grab your Bibles and go to the New Testament. We're going to be in the book of John. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We had an amazing time in our New Year's service. That was the first time we've ever done a New Year's service uh, and a New Year's party, couple back to back. And it was not just a service, but it was a testimony service. So what that means is, you know, we opened up the mic for for many of you to to share what was on your heart. You know, the Bible says that we are overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimonies. And so we opened up the mic and allowed you guys to share. And just shout out to those of you who shared. It is not easy sharing your personal information, your personal business, your personal situation in a room full of people you don't know. I, I, have, no, I have no issue doing that, but most people don't like to share their personal information. Um, 
but shout out to you guys, man. You know, I, I really think that people were helped and people were blessed by your testimony. And I, I feel like there were some of you who were bold and you normally aren't like that. It's not your disposition to get up and just talk. But you, you found your way up here and you shared and we are we are grateful. So we kicked in the year in worship and prayer and and preaching. Uh, and then we went upstairs and boy, we had a time. It was a whole situation upstairs. I didn't know, you know, the events team put the after party together. I was more involved in the actual testimony service. And so I didn't know what was going on or even what to expect upstairs. And then I got upstairs and it was balloon, confetti, sparkling cider, and a DJ. That's conducive for partying. Those four things right there. And, uh, you know, it, it really was a legit party. I, I, I think we need to rename the events team party promoters. The party promoting ministry. Because we, I mean, we really, really had a good time. So shout out to the events team, everybody that put our, amen, let's love on them, y'all. Everybody that put that event together, it really was, um, it really was dope. You know, I, I was walking around and checking on all the elderly people. Like, you okay? You all right? I, I actually was walking around checking some of y'all drinks too, because I was like, that can't be cider. It's, it's no way. Stuck my finger in somebody's drink. Okay, cider, we good. We good. But we had a great time uh, celebrating. I, I'm really excited as we start this new year, um, now, that we, now that we've come out of 2022, you know, one of the things we like to do, and Gabe said it, is we like to start our year off in, uh, in a fast. And so it's usually the first or second week. This year, we're doing it the second week of the new year. But starting tomorrow, we will, we will begin our fast. Um, this is the moment we get to reset. This is the moment we get to dial in and press into God. Many of you have made a commitment that you want this year to be the most spiritually growing year of your life. And that, that really starts by really hitting that reset button. And um, I don't know. I just think fasting is always easier done together. Chris, I'm so glad you said fasting's hard. It's hard. Anybody enjoy fasting? Yeah, you know, I just, I don't either. It's not... It's not it's not enjoyable, but I'll tell you what, it is beneficial. And the scriptures, I'm going to talk a little bit about this on Tuesday. The, the scriptures are replete with, um, with, with how God is able to align us to his heart because we are sacrificing, because we are pulling away from some things. And so we're, we're going to shut down food from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. If you can do that, if you have any physical you know, conditions or you're taking medication or you work a job that's extremely strenuous and you can't, you know, you can't not eat all day. We ask, don't, don't pick that day to, to hit a full plate. Don't do three square meals. But, you know, if you need a little piece of fruit or something to keep you going, you should do so. But we're going to lock down. We're going to shut down from food. But I just want to be clear. The fast is not just turn your plate upside down. The fast is turning your social media off, which many of you, that's harder than the food. Oh, come on. Y'all acting like y'all don't be checking the gram. The notifications be buzzing all day long. Uh, we're going we're gonna to pull away. If, if, if you're like me, I can't even have the app on my phone for the week. I delete the app. Remember your password, but delete the app. <laughs> delete the app if you can do so. Um, if it's not work-related for you, I know some of you, you work jobs that you actually have to be uh, tied into social media. But if you don't have to be, disconnect. Listen, the world's going to be all right if you're not getting your notification for one week. One, one week. Let's disconnect for one week. And those times that we filled with checking our Instagram, checking our TikToks, making a reel. Y'all know making a reel can take you half a day. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So the times that we, we spend doing those things, what, what would it look like for us to disconnect and say, you know what? I'm going to ded dedicate this time to prayer. 
dedicate this time to reading my word, dedicate this time to getting it in with community, actually dedicate this time to really doing devotion right. And I, you'll, you'll be surprised at how many of you get so much time back because you've decluttered. And I think that this is the start of the week for some of you that you're going to continue on the rhythm for the rest of the year. And I don't, I don't know if you'll continue fasting for the rest of the year, but you'll continue some type of sacrifice unto the Lord for the rest of the year. And I just think, I think God is going to be honored. So 6 a.m., y'all meet me on the Zoom. It's on the website. If you go to the website to the events page, you'll see it. There's a link there. You can click in. Gabe said y'all can turn off your, your cameras. Uh, if some of y'all want to stay my camera will be on. But if some of y'all want to be on your camera, that would be great. And I'm just going to open it up and ask some of you guys to pray. We'll do it for an hour, and then I'll let you guys go. Then Tuesday is going to be, um, going to be a great day. We're going to be in this room physically at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. we'll be in this room, and we're going to have a prayer service, and just almost like testimony service, open it up for you guys to pray. And I'll teach just a little bit, and we won't be here long. Teach just a little bit on fasting. Uh, then Wednesday, as Chris and, and Z said. By the way, shout out to Chris and Z. Y'all doing a phenomenal job with the community life. Amen. But we'll um, we'll be in this room on Wednesday, and we'll you know the small groups will break off into small groups and have more intimate time. Then Thursday, uh, we'll be with your discipleship groups. My hope is to have clusters of small discipleship groups, clusters all around the city. So whatever that means, you can meet in a coffee shop and spend some time praying, talking, getting together. Maybe it's Zoom, maybe it's a phone call, but whatever the case may be, find a way to connect with somebody. And if you don't have anybody that you can connect with, you should go to the website again and you'll find the discipleship. Uh, it's linked to our growth track and we can connect you with somebody for this week. Um, and if you want to be a disciple maker, we can connect you as well with that. And then Friday, we, we just going to party. We're going to get in here. We're going to pray. We'll worship. And then the events team will, will lead us uh, through um, some, 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 some fun games as we celebrate all that it is the Lord is doing. Is that all right? Y'all be good? Y'all going to participate this year? All right. Y'all said yes in church. That means you actually got to do it. All right. Let's get into it. Um, in the first service, I was contemplating whether I was going to read. There's like 30 verses. It's more than half of the chapter. Um, I was contemplating whether I was going to read it all. But the first service encouraged your boy and said, read it. They're a little bit more spiritual than y'all. Y'all like, uh-uh, just skim. Uh, but we're going to read it. We're going to read all of it. So I ask that you would just pay attention. Um, even if this story is familiar. If for, in fact, for many of you, anybody familiar with the, the Samaritan woman at the well when she was talking with Jesus? Yeah. So even if you're familiar, sometimes fam for our familiarity actually hinders us in actually growing in the word. Because we've heard it. We know it. We've, we've read it. So we're like, ah. I'm good, but I really don't want you to have that disposition. Pay attention to every word because I think God can speak through it. All right, verse one. It says, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making disciples and baptizing more disciples than John, pay attention to this little note. Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. That's very important. And he, pay attention to these two words, y'all, circle them for me, had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near a field that was Jacob, that, that Jacob had given to his son, uh, his son J uh, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus wearied 
as he was from the journey and was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Please pay attention to this next phrase. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw the water with. She completely missed that statement. And the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and he drank from it himself and his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the, uh, whoever drinks of the water that I give him, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw water. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband to come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you were right in saying you have no husband for you have five husbands and the one that you have now is not your husband what you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You will worship, uh, you worship what you do not know. We worship we worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that, you, that, I, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. This next statement gives me chills, y'all. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus, uh, just then the disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar. Please pay attention to what she left. She left her water jar and went into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of town and were coming to him. I want to preach today from the one word topic, thirsty. Just look at your neighbor and just say, are you thirsty? Look at somebody else and say, you look a little dry, a little ashy, a little dehydrated. Are you thirsty? Let's, uh, let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, we are, at, we are at it again, and we're, we're at it, and we want to submit ourselves underneath the power of your Holy Ghost. So, Father, would you use this time, oh God, to transform our lives? I love the old saints you say, rest, rule, and abide. Father, I pray, oh God, that you would do something miraculous. Somebody came in here today, and we joked, but somebody is thirsty. Somebody needs to be quenched from living water. And so, Father, I pray, oh God that you would 
satisfy that very need. There's somebody else in here that, that, that's been walking with you and we've, we've trusted you. And, but somewhere along the line, oh God, we begin to drift away from you. So Father, would you pull us back today through this word? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thirsty. I'm not sure if I've shared this before. I feel like I've shared a lot of my life uh, in this pulpit, but I'm not sure if I shared this one. I have three siblings. Uh, I'm the youngest of four siblings. I have two older brothers. Uh, my, my immediate older brother is 13 months older than me, old, older than me, and I have an older sister than him uh, who's uh, just turned in her 50s, and I have an older brother that's in his mid-50s. And um, when we were younger, there were times, because of the age gap between my oldest brother and me, there were times where he would babysit me. And I'll, no, I'll never forget this time where he, he babysat me. And I'll, at this time, I'm probably somewhere around four, maybe five. But I remember, you know, he was supposed to be babysitting me and I just didn't see him in the morning. I'm like, well, where's he at? Maybe he overslept. And I went in the room and sure enough, he was in the bed sleeping. Went back in the afternoon because I didn't see him. I basically was watching myself. I didn't see him all day. So I went back in the room and he was in there. And that's when he shared with me that he was sick and he felt severely dehydrated. He's like, I need something to drink. He, couldn't, he didn't have the strength to get out of the bed. And so me being a good little brother, I said, I'm going to grab something to drink. I went and grabbed the first cup I could find. I don't know if it was clean or dirty, but I grabbed it and then I ran to the sink and I tried to reach the faucet. And I realized that at that age, I was not able to reach the faucet. So I went to the refrigerator and I opened up the refrigerator and you know, our refrigerator stayed bare. We, we, never, we never had food in our refrigerator. We had 2% milk, which I don't, it's still, it's like water. <laughs> we had 2% milk in the refrigerator and I was like, all right, he asked for water. So I, I got to get, I got to get water. So There's no water in the fridge. So I closed the refrigerator. So I did what everybody, my stature would do that needed water. I went to the toilet. I did. I did y'all. I did. And I, I took the cup and I, I got a little of that sugar Avery out the, out the toilet. And I brought it to him and I presented it to him. And he grabs it and he's so dehydrated. He's about to drink it. And the spirit of the living God must have talked to him because he said, wait, you can't reach the sink. How did you get this water? And then I immediately shared with him. Honestly, I was actually happy to tell him. I didn't know anything was wrong with it. I was like, I got it out of the toilet. Here's the moral of the story that I personally, as a human being, would go through great lengths to help my brother get something to drink because he was dehydrated. And in a greater and a deeper and a much higher and cleaner way, Jesus goes through great lengths, not with toilet water, but living water. He goes through great lengths in order to satisfy our spiritual thirst. Now, here's the thing. Those of you who are in the room, some of y'all looking around and you're thinking to yourself, well, I know she thirsty and I know he thirsty. But the reality is all of us in this room are in need to drink from the water that Jesus is able to provide. And some of you guys have been walking with the Lord for a long time. And so you drank a long time ago. So you kind of walked away and you think you, you know, you're good. But you know, one thing I know about living water, yeah, it satisfies forever. The scripture says that you'll never thirst again. And even though we may not be thirsty, many of us are deserting Jesus. We're moving further and further away from him. And here's what we need today to sit at the well like the woman of Samaria. We need to sit at Jesus' feet. We need him to get at us. We need him to call out the things that are dysfunctional in our lives. We need him to restore us, and we need him to give us living water. Quick context in the text today. 
We're in chapter four. If you look at verses one through three, it kind of sets up the scene for you. It lets you know why Jesus is even in Samaria. Now, the text starts out in chapter four, verse one. It starts out with him in Judea. So he's in Judea. And I don't know if you know geographically where this stuff is at, but he's in Judea. He has to make the, the, the trip north in order to get to uh, in order to get to uh, Galilee. Now, why is he doing this? He's doing this because he's frustrated with the Pharisees. They're critiquing John the Baptist's ministry. They're critiquing his ministry. And yeah, Jesus, you know, normally likes to engage with the Pharisee. He, he likes the tension. If it's God's will, he likes to kind of mess with them a little bit. But he, in, this, in this chapter, he doesn't do so because it's not time for him to directly engage with the Pharisees. It's not his time yet. And so he does what most of us do when we're around people that we don't like, he bails out. In fact, that the text here says in verse number three that he left. The Greek meaning is abandoned. He walked away. He, he left that context that he was in and he began to head up north into Galilee. But there's two words in verse number three that stuck out to me. Now, remember, I told you, don't just pass this scripture. Don't just read this story because you've heard it before, but pay attention to every word. Here are two words that stuck out to me that I, I missed the first few times I read them. Verse four, it says, and he, I told you to circle it, had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near a field where Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Don't miss this. It says in verse four that he had to pass through Samaria. Now, if you understand geography, it's not actually accurate that he had to in terms of the trip. It's not the only route to get from Judea to Galilee. Now, you got to understand what's happening in the context. If you understand the trip Jesus took, you'll understand that it was not the common way, the common route in order to get to Galilee. Most Jews went around Samaria. So in order to get to, to Galilee, it's a straight shot, like 95, straight shot from Judea up to Galilee. But Jews hated the Samaritans so much that they would go to the north. They would go to the east, go up north and then cut back over the Jordan River. And then, and then they would come west. Why, why, why would they do all of that in order to get there? Because the two Jewish territories were Judea and then there was uh, Galilee, smack dead in the middle was Samaritan territory. And so they wanted to, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you ever went to like a party and you saw that one person you don't like and you did everything possible to avoid them. You went around, you know, you kind of, you know, act like you was talking to somebody else. That's what most of the Jews did to the Samaritans. And you got to understand the reason that they didn't like each other is because it has great historical context. In 9, 930 BC, stay with me for a minute. In 930 BC, the two kingdoms split. There's the northern kingdom and then there's the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom at this time, this is all Israel. The northern kingdom is where Samaria was. And when they split in 731 BC, uh, history will tell us that the Assyrians took over the northern kingdom. And when they took over the northern kingdom, the Assyrians started to influence the Jews that were in Samaria. And so what you have is the Samaritans are now influenced by their religious practices, their cultural exp uh, expressions. They are now not fully uh, operating as Jews. Yes, they believed in the Mosaic law. Yes, they believed in the God of Israel. But, but they, there was other things that they added into the mix of being Jewish. And so the authentic Jews was like, I don't like them. And guess what? The Samaritans didn't like them either. 
They did not like each other, and there's huge historical significance. You see it play out in the Bible. Look at the book of, 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 uh, of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah is building the wall. And remember, in verse 4, uh, these guys by the name of Tobiah and Sabalat start to aggravi- uh, aggravate the work. Tobiah and Sabalat were Sumerians. They did not like the Jews. Even the woman in, at the well today, when she sees Jesus in verse 9, what does she say? You're talking to me? Jews don't have any dealings with the Samaritans. Why don't they have any dealings with the Samaritans? Because we have historical tension. Let me see if I can play this out for you. Let me put your eyes on the screen for a second. Can you guys see the, this map of, of Israel? No? Yeah, y'all see it. All right. All right. So, so this is Judea down here. Hang on. Hang on. It's not giving, not letting me, not let me draw here. Hold up. Let me flatten it. Y'all see that holy hush? Y'all are quiet too. It makes me feel a little odd, a little weird. Is it? Oh, here we go. Okay, I'll take that. All right. All right. All right. So you guys see this map. Here down here is Judea. Y'all see Judea? Okay, so there's Judea. That's where, G- that's where Jesus is right now. In fact, he's somewhere over here because he's by the Jordan River. And they're arguing, right? They're arguing about baptism. And, and that's where he is. He wants to get here to Galilee. Now, most Jews, most Jews hated Samaria because Samaria is right here in the middle. They hated Samaritans so much that they would cross over the Jordan River. They would go up north. And then they were crossed into Galilee. Do you know that's a lot of hatred for you to add that much time onto your trip and even expose yourself to the danger that is in traveling in ancient time. They will go around Samaria. But watch what Jesus does. Jesus is in Judea, but instead of going around, he goes. I mean, he's in Judea. He goes straight through Samaria into Galilee. Now, most of y'all will go, of course he did that. He did that because that's the easiest route, right? He had to, meaning that's the, that's the only route, but I just showed you that there's a secondary route that most people took. And so if you pay attention to Jesus versus the cultural norm, Jesus makes a detour from the cultural norm. Why? Because his actual destination, his miracle is not in the destination of Galilee. His miracle is on the way to Galilee. See, because what Jesus likes to do is many of us think that the miracle is in actually getting to the end of that mission. But in reality, God likes to use everything in the process to get to the mission. Ministry for Jesus was never the destination of the person in front of him. Which is why the woman with the issue of blood got healed. She wasn't the goal. He was actually on his way to heal the general's daughter. Why? Because for Jesus, the person in front was just as important as the destination. And so what Jesus does is he says, I know the Jews normally like to go around Samaria, but he uses this phrase. He had to go through Samaria. And I'm so grateful that Jesus has a had to not just with the Samaritans, but that he has a had to with me. Because where most people would have went around me and most people would have skipped me and most people would have avoided me, Jesus says, I had to come see him. I had to come see her. And what's crazy is out of all the people that are in the building that you grew up in, he, got, he went past their floor, past their apartment to come see you. He had to. 
Out of all the people that's in your neighborhood, he somehow found you. Out of all the people in your family, now I know all of us got drunk uncles, we got aunts that don't know Jesus, and we know they don't know Jesus, and you sitting here a believer in church. Why? Because I had to go through Samaria. I had to come see about you. And so often, we always think that Jesus is skipping us, and Jesus is like, no, I'm prioritizing you. I'm prioritizing you because Samaria is just as important as me getting to Galilee. So scripture says here that Jesus had to go the way that he went, which was through Samaria, but up to Galilee. And he's doing so because he knows that there are some thirsty people in Samaria. Here's my question. Are there thirsty people in this room that you're grateful that God had to come by your way and give you a little sippy sip? Oh, come on. Anybody grateful for Jesus juice in this room? That he gave you something that nobody else was able to give you. What, 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 did, what did he give you? He gave you eternal life, a.k.a. living water. So it says here that he had, to, he had to go the way that he went. And he went that way not because it was the only option. It wasn't even the most uh, common option. He went that way because he knew that he had an appointment with a woman that was at, a, at the well. And she didn't know it. But he knew she would be there and he knew she needed something and he had exactly what she needed, which was crazy because there was five other dudes that couldn't provide what one guy named Jesus is able to provide eternal life. So he says he's sitting there at the well. Pay attention to this. He's sitting there now at the well and this woman comes up. Look at what happens here. Verse five. So he came to, the, to, uh, uh, to Samaria called Sychar near a field of, uh, that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob Jacob's well was there and Jesus was wearied from his journey and was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour and the woman, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me something to drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you a Jew ask me for a drink? A woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Watch this. Jesus' answer here is so amazing to me. Jesus answered her, if you knew the, watch the word, gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have, watch the word, given you living water. This is why I said, pay attention to the words, y'all. In the, verse 10, there are two words that are used. Gift, somebody say gift, yes. and given, somebody say given. What I rejoice about in this story is not just the fact that Jesus had to go through Samaria, but I rejoice that when he got there, he didn't make the woman perform for the water. He said, it's a gift, baby. He said, I can, I can give this to you. Why is that important? Because there are so many people that are sitting in this room and around the world that honestly think that your relationship with the Lord is merit-based. You think you have to earn living water. You think you have to fill out an application to get living water. You think you have to dance in front of the Lord in order to get living water. And the scripture today said there is no merit base. We live in such a meritocracy type of an environment. And this has been since we were kids. Y'all know you get your name on that board and you get a certain amount of stars and you get a gift. And so you try to earn it and you try to earn it and you try to earn it. And we bring that into Christianity and God is like, you can't earn it. It's a gift. Christianity is a gift. And you know why I rejoice? Because if it's not a gift, that means your boy got to earn it. And I ain't got enough to earn. 
I, I just, I don't, there's not enough good works you can do to be perfect. Do you realize, like, that's the standard? The standard of a holy and perfect God is holy and perfection. But somehow, some way, Christians, that not, people that are not perfect will be filling up heaven. Why? Because our perfection is not based on us. It's based on the merit of Jesus Christ. And so the scripture today says that he goes to her and he says, if you knew the gift, it's free. And many of you are trying to earn what is free. It's nothing worse for working for something that is already readily available to you. The water is free. And what I love about the water is you only need a sip. You don't need a gallon. One sip of the water that Jesus gives and it satisfies the deepest parts of your soul, not just for the rest of the day, but forever. He says, lady, you don't have to earn this. Every other religion you have to earn. I just want to be clear about this. Every other religion, there is some type of merit. You have to do something in order to receive heaven. There's something you have to do. You got to pray a certain amount of times. You got to take a trip to Mecca. You got to do this. You got to do that. And maybe you'll be received. And Christianity is the only place where it's like you can't earn it. It's a gift. Okay, I got to put Bible here. Thank you all for clapping. But Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. Here it is. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, not a result of works so that no man may boast. Romans says the same thing. Romans chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted to him as righteousness. His faith, his faith is counted to him as righteousness, not his works, not his behavior. And some of y'all are going, oh, this is a lie. I just do whatever I want to do. When you are madly in love with Jesus, no believer thinks like that. Every one of us are like, it's no way I want to dishonor the Lord. It's no way I want to dishonor the Lord with my body and with my thoughts and with my time. I want to honor, the, I want to honor God with everything I do. But don't you ever get it twisted. That is not how you get into heaven. You are behaving because you are saved, not to be saved. I'm saved because it's a gift. Somebody say it's a gift. So, so someone say it's given to you. And he gives us living water. You know, I tried to pride myself at one point on knowing the difference in terms of tastes between different waters. Like, like Dasani doesn't taste like Fiji water. Can we be clear? Are we, are we good? Like Poland Spring don't taste like Deer Park. God knows Nestle is the thickest, slimiest water. And, and for you New Yorkers that grew up in New York here, you know, I'm going to be easy. I'm going to walk easy here. But let's be clear. New York water is nasty, y'all. Oh, come on, y'all. When I first moved there, it's like, man, just drink out the tap. I'm like, that's nasty. Bring me back to the toilet days. I used to pride myself on knowing the difference between waters until Gabe humbled me. One time, one time after, you just during the pandemic, we were bored. It was just four of us in a room. And one time afterwards, Gabe, Gabe set up a little game. He put time into this. He created a scoreboard and he opened it up. He plastered it up on the wall and he had all these waters and they were secretly labeled. He knew what was in the water. I didn't know what. He's like, all right, sip that water. Tell me what you think it is. I'm like, Poland Spring. Nope. The only one I knew was Nestle. I knew that one. Because Nestle, you got to chew it. It's, it's not, you can't drink it. You got to chew it. 
And so I'm, I'm drinking all these waters, and I couldn't figure out the difference between Voss water and Poland Spring. I couldn't figure the difference out between those, but there is one water that I can figure out. You know what that water is? Living water. That water I know because that water satisfies something deeper than just the thirst. This woman, look at this woman. The Bible says that she came there with a jug, with a jug to fill it up from Jacob's well. She fills it up. She meets Jesus, gets one sip of that Jesus juice, runs back and leaves the water. Why does she do that? Because she found something better than something that would temporarily satisfy her. Oh, man, that was heavy. She found something that was better than what temporarily satisfies her. And so many of us are so happy and being temporarily, temporarily satisfied. I just get my fix. I just get my hit. Just get that tune up. I'm good. But Jesus is like, yo, I got something so much better. What I got will make you leave the jug of water and come after me. And so the Bible says that this woman receive something that she's never gotten before. And what she got, she'll never have to thirst again. And now, of course, she didn't get it in the beginning. She was like, where, where is this water? Where do you even draw it from? She's asked all these questions. But she got it at the end based on her willingness to be an evangelist. She got it at the end. And what was this water? Here's what verse 14 says. Whoever drinks of this water, I shall, uh, shall never thirst again. Listen to me, Epiphany, don't y'all dare sit in this room and be dry. Don't, don't do it. Why would you sit here and be parched when you have living water available? Why, why would you sit here and be thirsty when you got living water available? And it is here for you today. So the Bible says that this woman is receiving something that she didn't get from the six other dudes. But here's what's crazy. My questions when I was reading through this is, okay, she don't got to earn it, but there got to be some qualification. Right? There's some reason he chose her. She, she got to bring something to the team. She brought nothing but five other husbands. That's all she bought was sin. But here's the thing. Jesus still wants to engage her. Verse, uh, verse 15 to verse 30 shows me the type of people Jesus likes to give water to. Well, what do I mean by that? Look at verse 15. Y'all good? All right, verse 15 says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I'll never be thirsty again. Jesus said to her, call your husband and tell him to come here. And the woman answered, the woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus says, you are right in saying you have no husband for you have five husbands and the one you are with is really not your husband, uh, which is true. But what, is, what Jesus is doing here is Jesus is pulling away what the cultural expectations was of who should receive this water. The, 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 the Pharisees believe that who, not, let me not go deep. Not just the Pharisees, the disciples themselves was like, why is he talking to her? They walked with Jesus. They stayed with Jesus. They're like, who is this woman? Now there's three strikes against, against this woman, really that should be disqualifying strikes in ancient time. Here are the three strikes. Number one, first strike, she's a Samaritan woman. Samar a, Jew, a Jewish king should not be talking to a Samaritan woman. We get that. That's in the text. Here's the second strike. She's immoral. She's had five of the husbands. The one she's with is not really her husband. So Jesus is like, yo, she brings sin. There's a third strike. The third strike in ancient times is that there's 13 times in this story that the, 
the, the, the phrase woman is used. The, the, the name woman is used. The title woman is used. And so that's the third strike. In ancient times, a Jewish man wouldn't be talking to a woman, not even a Jewish woman, but he's talking to a Samaritan woman. Here's the three strikes. She's a Samaritan. Be disqualified. She's immoral. She should be disqualified from talking to the perfect one. And she's also a woman in ancient times that should have been disqualifying. And all of these disqualifications, Jesus is like, she's still mine. He went through all of them. And here, here, here's, here's what I know about church. I know how we are. We come in here and we feel it's no way God can love me. It's, does he know? He, does he know what I did? Does he know who I am? And some of y'all messed up, not in 2022, but we just started 2023 and you've already messed up. We've made mistakes. We've made bad decisions. We've, we've done wrong things. But if I understand who Jesus chooses in the text, I understand if he can save a woman from Samaria that is immoral, he certainly can come save me. Now, I need somebody that know you got real, real sin to give Jesus praise right here. Not, not that place stuff, but if you're like, yeah, he sh I should be disqualified. I should not be accepted, but he's come after me. You know what it is? Grace. It is mercy because he doesn't have to, baby. You don't bring nothing to the table. He, he, don't, he don't have to have you on the team. He chose you because you needed him. This woman at the well needed what Jesus was able to offer and that's living water. Now, what I love is Jesus, Jesus saves her and gives her living water, and she gets on fire for him. Note this. The first evangelist in Samaria was a woman, a Samaritan immoral woman, but she gets to be the first evangelist. Now, I know we're going to read Acts 8, and you're going to look at Philip, and you're going to, yo, he killing it. Philip is killing it in Samaria. But before Philip was killing it in Samaria, there was a woman that was already an evangelist talking about Jesus. There was a, there was a woman that was talking about Jesus. And, and you know, this kind, of, this kind of lends me back to New Year's Eve, and I said, man, one of the paradigm shifts that we need to have is as it relates to our, our sharing of our faith. Because I just believe, I really do, I believe that people that have been rocked by Jesus should talk about him. People that are, that are in love with Jesus should talk about him. Do you realize that he saved you? Do you realize that he still is in relationship with you? Do you realize that he doesn't want to tolerate you but spend eternity with you? I got to talk about him. I got to share my faith. I got to tell somebody else about the goodness and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. This woman with the issue of blood, and with the issue of blood, this woman, this Samaritan woman, is being saved right now. Listen, some of y'all, the rumor is true. Y'all like, oh man, they gossiping, they telling lies on me. Nah, some of us, some people told the truth. Some like because I've made bad, bad decisions, I've made mistakes. But don't you feel like Jesus doesn't want to offer you a cold glass of living water today? There's somebody here today. I'm landing the plane. There's somebody here today that needs that drink. And you've been waiting for it. And you've been dehydrated. And nobody else knows it. You know why? Because we know how to clean up the outside of ourselves so well that we don't know that internally we are, there's a void. And we're trying to fill up that void. But Jesus wants to fill that void today. And you know what he doesn't want to do? He's not looking to fill the void when you finally get it together. 
He wants you in the midst of the sin. What what does Paul say in Romans chapter 5, verse 8? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's not looking to give the water to somebody that cleaned themselves up. He's actually looking for the person that's still in it, that's still dysfunctional, that still is making bad decisions, that's still in the cycle of sin. He's looking for that person and he wants to do a work today. I asked the worship team to come up. Let's jump right into it because I want some of you to ponder before I give a call of response. I just want you to ponder what Jesus means to you and the water that is available to you today. And this is what I want us to do. I want us to think about these words as the worship team sings. I want us to think about these words and I want us to process, well, where am I lining up with God right now? Now, listen, I'm not talking about that future you. Come on, y'all, let's go right into it. I'm not talking about that future you, that you in your mind that prays more. Y'all know that. Y'all know we got a future us in our mind. I'm going to get it together one day. Jesus doesn't want that you. He wants the you today that doesn't have it together. That's the you he wants. And here's the thing. He's sitting at the well. He's sitting at the well today. And he's trying to get at your heart. Every head bow and every eye close. Father, as we go into this song, I, I, I pray that you would move on our hearts. I pray that you would move on the hearts of your people. As we go into this song, I pray, oh God, that somebody that is ashamed of who they are and ashamed of what they've done and ashamed of that bad decision, I pray that today you would help us to break free because you're good and you're gracious and you're merciful. You don't deal with us the way others have dealt with us. You deal with us in a gentle and a kind way. So, Father, I pray, oh God, that we would think through what it means to receive the water from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.